Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday women share personal stories of God's love. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today we are bringing you Kate's story from Vestavia. We, so we actually sat at my house in Vestavia for a live gathering. It was so much fun. You're going to hear all the laughter. We're thrilled. <laughs> and you know, so often our listeners are asking for stories about marriage. And this is just a everyday story of marriage that reveals financial difficulties, struggles, you know, within the marriage. And Kate gives some incredible bullet points at the end yes. to help you with your marriage. So I can't wait for you to hear them. Here she is. We wanted to give you a quick reminder of three ways that you can support Storytellers Live. Number one is through Venmo. We are now accepting donations at Storytellers Live. Number two is our Patreon community. You can join for 5 or $10 a month and you receive extra content, a Bible study that goes along with our episodes, and then we actually post extra stories and a story within the story, which is more information about our storyteller. And then lastly, you can purchase Discover Your Story, which is an eight-week Bible study that's a for small groups or personal study for $15 on our website at storytellerslive.org. Thank you so much for supporting Storytellers Live. We could not do this without you. So my name is Kate Simpson, and I was a little nervous, just I had to pet myself up, but one of my favorite Andy Stanley quotes is, fear leads to misopportunity. So I did not want to miss an opportunity to share what I feel like really the Lord has laid on my heart. Because when Sarah Beth did ask me, I was really like, I don't know, I don't know. And I, I truly feel that the Lord just has something to share. I am a one blessed girl and I know that and I'm so thankful for so many things, but this is a story about how the Lord has been refined in my heart. That's a process that I'm still very much still in. So this is not a story that's wrapped up. This It's where I am, but it's his refining process and how he changed my heart before he changed circumstances. I'm Kate and I'm from Dalton, Georgia. I'm a small town girl and I've been married to Alan for 18 years. We have three boys, Jake, Parker, and Tyler, and they are all the fun and crazy that you think of with three boys. They're loud and fun and great. A lot, but a lot of fun. <laughs> I love being from Dalton. Alan's from a small town, too. He's from Fort Walton. But it was just a great place to grow up. Lots of people that invested in me. We are just a tight-knit community. I have fabulous parents, like the world's best. And I'm the oldest of two. I have two younger brothers. My dad is just the greatest. And he was a natural salesman. He used to take me on business calls with him and sales calls. And I think that helped me develop my love for the business world. And my mom has taught children's church for as long as I can remember, and she can do anything. When I was growing up, I was thinking about little things. You know, it's funny things that pop in your head, but I remember one time cleaning out my parents' refrigerator to tell my dad how much money we were wasting in leftovers. And my parents were like, what what are you doing? And I remember back to these things that I did that had nothing to do with what my parents were doing, but, you know, just kind of like my natural bent. I was like, didn't want them to waste money or do things and do that. And they were probably like, go get a job or something, even though I was <laughs> eight or nine at this point. But I mean, just things that you think about when you remember, you know, your personality along the way. But we were from a small town, and in high school, we were really good at creating our own fun, being from a small town. So our parents were very busy trying to keep up with where we were going and what we were doing. They weren't bored. And then I also was raised an Auburn fan, and I, I loved Auburn. I had such a great experience there. I have lifelong friends here today, and um, I just love my time there. Well, while I was at Auburn, I also really liked to make good grades, but I had to work hard to make good grades, and I put a lot of pressures on myself. And I remember doing bad on a final and talking to my mom. It was right before Christmas time. I was just kind of bummed, and she was like, Kate, 
it's Jesus's birthday. Go out and celebrate. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But I, they were always trying to lighten my load. Like I would put my own pressures and my parents, you know, were continually trying to lighten my load. And while everything was going really awesome in Auburn, I remember having these moments of just kind of weightiness and sad, which I, I didn't really know where that was coming from because I had all these thick, great things going for, for me. And my aunt one time said, Kate, have you found a church that you like? Oh, I also was raised in church. I mean, that's I forgot to say that before, but grew up going to church and all that kind of good stuff. But for some reason, when I was in college, I was like, um, I'm in college. Am I not supposed to do that later? I'm busy having fun. <laughs> Try to make it great. So that's just kind of where I was at that time. Well, one summer after my sophomore year, two friends and I went to St. Simon's to be nannies. We faxed our resumes, which kind of cracks me up because <laughs> I don't know what was on there and they never met us, but they hired us. So we were there and... My mom also said, Kate, you don't even really like to babysit. And I was like, does that matter? We're going to St. Simon's. Is that important? So that summer was a blast, but it was also the summer that I started walking with the Lord. And I had believed in God, but this changed to where I had a relationship with Jesus. And that was life-changing for me. And um, a friend there, my sweet friend Amy, had given me this book. And it was called You Gotta Keep Dancing. And there was a quote in there that said, You and I were created for joy. And if we miss it, we miss the reason for our existence. Joy defies circumstance and occurs in spite of difficult situations. Whereas happiness is a feeling, joy is an attitude. And that, that void that I had before you know, all those things were great things, but they were never meant to fill that void. So my relationship with Jesus started to fill that void. I went back to Auburn and God placed a friend of mine, Patty, in my life to show me what it looked like to walk with the Lord. So I had had the struggle with food and I kind of blamed that on the fat-free pandemic that we had. And like, I'm not sure why that even happened, but that we were only supposed to eat fat-free food. But anyway, right after... I mean, soon after I started walking with the Lord, He just healed me from that. And it was and is so freeing because that had controlled my thoughts. And just to, if you've ever had anything control your, just not to be controlled by something is just, it was just a gift. So that was really cool that I had a tangible thing. Well, um, my senior year, Alan and I started to become friends. We had had a class before, but we started to become friends. And I was moving to Atlanta and he was moving to Nashville. And I had loved Auburn, but I was very excited about going and working in the business world. And he would tell you I gave him the Heisman, but I was just excited to to kind of move on to the next stage. So we moved to Atlanta. I moved in with two of my friends from home. We were small town girls hit the big city, and that is its own different storytellers. But <laughs> we will... I also had time to really figure out who I was in Jesus, and that was a great time. That was just a time for me to kind of figure that out. And so two years later, I go to a wedding in Nashville, and I saw Alan. And the first thing he said was, are you dating anybody? And he says that he says other stuff, but I remember him saying that because I was supposed to have a date, and it fell through. And I was like, "Uh," and I piggybacked off my married couple of friends. And so we ended up having a blast that night. We got engaged seven months later. Well, there are so many things that I loved about Alan. I loved I loved his faith. I loved that we could have really deep conversations, but go have a great time together. I loved that he loved family and friends and life. And I, I really loved that he could shelf life. That was good for me. And so we, we got married and moved. I moved to Nashville. And I got to keep my job. And he was working in construction. So we loved Neelywed Life, all the things, you know, just that make Neelywed Life fun. Well, about a year and a half later, he 
said that he wanted to move to Birmingham to start a construction company with his best friend from Auburn. And I was like, what? We have two jobs. We don't have any jobs in Birmingham. Like, what are you talking about? So I called my friend Callie like, oh my gosh, what's he talking about? We don't need to do that. And I remember a friend in my Bible study at the time saying, Kate, even if everything doesn't work out, God can still teach Alan way better than you can. And I was like, oh, okay. That's an interesting, that's a little interesting thought. We had made all of these, we were in forward motion to move. Like everything was done. I had said that I needed to have a job before we left. And so I got a job. And y'all, one night, it was Auburn was playing in a bowl game the next day. And I woke up and I was just gripped by fear. I just had, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, just all these what ifs. What if we don't sell our house? What if this? What if that? I had got myself into such a hot mess, I couldn't even go the next day. And at the same time, we are reading in my Bible study this book, and it says, it's talking about fear, and it says, I am learning that the only way to conquer fear is to make sure you're on the right platform, recheck the security straps. I love that because I love to double check things. And then jump anyway. Fear will be screaming your name, but you just have to go ahead and jump. Jumping is about trusting. And so we jumped, and we moved to Birmingham, and our house sold in eight hours, which that seemed like a big deal. Now it's not. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> Nobody could even put an offer on a house right now. But at the time, that was a big deal. So we moved to Birmingham, and we moved on Shadescrest Road. And Alan found this house, and we were excited. We This is our first home together, and we were painting frames like gold and red and all those <laughs> things that you did in 2004. So he, I got a job in Birmingham that I really liked. They were busy in construction. They started all these spec houses. They were you know young and just starting out. We used to just pray for these houses by street names. I mean, all my Bible studies were like, praying for Durham Drive and all these houses to sell that they had done. Um, But they were busy. And then we got pregnant with our first baby, Jake. Just all the feels and fun of having your first baby. He was the first grandchild on both sides. So we were all obsessed with him. Well, shortly thereafter that, Alan and his business partner got selected to be a builder in Ross Bridge, which is about 20 minutes away. And so that was a big deal at the time because they were like one of five and got all these lots and all these things. And over time, there were two houses there that didn't sell. And so we had prayed about it and we moved out there his partner and his family and us we moved out there in these houses and we tried to sell our house and at the time we would have totally chosen that and you know I always think I see this whole pie and like I really see the sliver but I still am like God look can't you just do that this is supposed to sell but it didn't and later we would really see that as the Lord's provision so we rented our house on Shades Crest and moved out to Ross Bridge soon after we moved to Ross Bridge we had our second son which was just fun because we moved from having a baby to having brothers and siblings and he came home on Christmas Eve and so just just all of that and we had we were really involved in our church and we had a um, small group that are still some of my very bestest here we raised our kids together and lived life together and that was just great to have a core group of people that were so constant in our life well after we had our third son in 2010 um, and he would complete our family and make give us three boys we didn't know what he was so we we're like okay we have we're all of a sudden here we go we have three boys well the economy I even told Alan I said the economy slowly took a turn he's like it, or I said it took a quick turn. <laughs> I think it was slowly taking a turn, but he was working and I was having these babies. So I don't think I was really aware that the economy was taking a turn. And so it hit me <laughs> all of a sudden. And I, sometimes I don't watch the news a lot, so I don't know. But um, we, the economy did take a turn. And that, the economy taking a turn hit the construction world, which really hit us pretty hard. So here we were. So Alan and I were having to have some hard, difficult conversations I was tired. We had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn baby. And I remember sitting at the island of our house and doing my Bible study and praying. I was not dressed. The older two were at preschool. And I was sitting there, and I was started out praying. Well, my prayer quickly moved from a prayer just to just 
this fit with God. I mean, you know, I start out like, dear God. And then along the way, I'm like, well, and we moved here. And now we have this, this, and this. And now this, this complicated thing and this. And wait a minute, you knew all of this and you could have saved us. And why didn't you? I mean, I was just kind of just mad. And I was like, and also, I just want to be at the park swinging my kids. And I'm like trying to do this like hard stuff. And so I opened my Bible and in Exodus 13 was this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road from the Philistine country, though the road was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road. And that really spoke to me because I had felt like he was abandoning me, but he was leading us. And I would choose the shorter path every time. But just because it wasn't shorter didn't mean that he wasn't leading us. We ended up moving back to Shades Crest Road with a whopping four-year-old, two-year-old, and a baby. And we were so happy to be like tucked in this ranch house, like all cozied in together. We were like the happiest people. And the um, boys were busy. I was busy taking care of them and keeping up with them. And I started at Covenant. I got a part-time job at Covenant, which was great. And I loved that. And life had its ups and downs. And the kids, we were busy doing all that. And I remember coming to Alan with things to um, get, like, I remember sometimes coming to him and be like, we should be stressed out about this, or we should be stressed out. And he was not getting stressed out with me. With me and I was annoyed about that. And even told my friends, like, why isn't Alan getting stressed out with me? But so that was just, that's just a little thing to help you get these glimpses in my brain. Well, we had moved into this house with a, like, zero to five-year-olds. And now we have five to 10-year-olds. So they're getting bigger. We all agree we needed more space. And we had been looking at other houses, but Alan had always had a vision for renovating that house on Chase Crest. And he's real creative and has vision and I can organize a spreadsheet. So he had, he had always had that in his head. Well, I, a friend had shared with me, you know, just the idea about get behind your husband's dreams to try to make them happen. And so I had noticed that when I was trying to make calls or tweak the budget to show how we could afford renovating the house or where we could go live to rent while we did it, that that really motivated him and like lit a fire under him. And that was cool to me versus me being like, well, we can't do that because that's risky and this and that. And so that was cool to me to see like how me helping in a positive way was good for him. So we moved to this apartment and it was bittersweet. I remember being at the apartment when people were texting me like, your house just got knocked down. I was like, I was like praying like, this is okay, right, Lord? And um. I, for some reason, thought that the walls were still going to be there. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. And I like to, like, kind of like the leftover story, I like to reuse things. So it was a little shocking to me when they weren't there. And Alan's like, no, they weren't going to be there. What are you talking about? But it was on the same foundation, so I, or the same footprint. And so... That really was a spiritual picture to me because I like to patch things sometimes and keep moving with God or quick fix. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to we're gonna keep taking this down. We, we got some rebuilding to do here. So um, in two, seven, 2017, we moved back into Shades Crest and Alan did a fabulous job and Jessica was super helpful for us. And we, you know, he really spent time trying to build a home for us. And really thought through lots of details. Well, we we had great memories there and enjoyed the space and tried to be good stewards and have birthdays and baptisms and Christmases and all that. Well, soon after we moved in, a few things happened that made it feel like the rug got pulled out from under me. And I like to be prepared. And so I was a little bit like not doing well with some of those things. And then... A little bit later, Alan and his business partner for 15 years went different directions. Alan stayed in residential construction and his business partner went to commercial. And they're still great friends, but that created just a lot of layers of some extra things. And um, we had a full plate already with work and life and kids. And and then Alan was figuring out his new direction. And we 
weren't 25. So we were just, <laughs> you know, and I came to Alan as I'm so calm, cool, and collected. And I'm not really sure what I said, but his answer reflects like my <laughs> rattledness, I guess. But he was like, I don't know what you want me to say. I think you want me to say everything's going to be okay, but I don't know that. So I can't tell you that. And I was like, yes, that is what I want you to say. I want you to tell me everything's going to be okay and it's our plan. And I really don't think of myself as a controlling person, but, but when things start to feel out of control, I seem to grasp for things that I can control. So I decided that we should sell our house. And then I also decided why Hatton Allenry told me that we should sell our house because he should get his trust out too. And that's what we should do and just move to, I don't know where, but it seemed to be. And I was talking to his mom one day and apparently I was sharing, you know, my like good ideas about just doing that. And she's so sweet. And she's like, well, Kate, usually, you know, in the past with some of my conversations, it has helped me if I come from a position of strength. And I was like, hey, well, do I not sound super strong right now? She think not. So that was just a little nugget that stuck with me. Well, all this is going on and our boys are still getting bigger and, you know, they get older and things are louder and just problems or more. Well, they're so fabulous, but there can be some volatile moments with the three boys. Some of my friends have seen them here. And um, they can go from zero to 100 like this. And then I can be at 120 like that. And then, you know, so life's going on, that's going on. And I just was in a spot, I was overwhelmed. I, I just feel like I was overwhelmed. And I, I think I really wanted to get live to the spot that I could manage. And that was not happening in lots of different areas. And, you know, my job now, that's my job now to manage people, create structure and processes so they aren't bad things, but they, they, it was not happening in my life. And so I was at the computer and I was praying and I, you know, in this time in Ross Bridge, I had been mad. Well, this time I really, I honestly just felt hurt by God. I hurt my feelings. I was like, I know some of these things would be hard for other people, but they're, they're just really hard for me. And you know that. So like, why do you, why does this keep happening? And it, as I remember sitting there and my spirit was just like, yes, Kate, I, I know, I know that these are, you, I created you. So I know that, but I want you to see that you can't, but I can and to experience my power. And it was, it just helped me see it different that I wasn't having to do it on my own. And I was also figuring out this need I have for peace and order. And so those were the things that were not happening in some areas. And so I was it was becoming obvious that I liked peace and order because they were not happening. So I had always seen this verse, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. But I had started to read the first part of that. In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. So I would picture myself with this cup of coffee with God being like, oh my God, Jesus is my peace and order. He is perfect peace and order. Lord, please equip me for the problems that you have promised. And so it helped me picture myself and he had given me the need for peace and order, but he is peace and order. So it was like that need could be taken care of in him. So I wasn't going subconsciously to all these places. And it sounds so simple, but it was really huge for me because it was helping me reframe. And instead of being mad and frustrated and sad about things that I was dealing with, I was more expectant of them and more empowered to deal with them. Also at this time, also Alan is really sure and steady and I love that about him, but I think that he needed me to be a little bit more sure and steady in this time. I don't know if he would tell y'all that, but I noticed that I was more sure and steady. So I was very proud. So, so also during the season, Tyler and my youngest and I were sitting in this kitchen and this dog walks by. Well, I'm scared of dogs 
was kind of still am and don't really love dogs. Well, we, Tyler gets this dog and I thought we were going to be the rescue people of the neighborhood that we got the dog for somebody and they're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, nobody claims the dog and at like any post or anything and the dog is pregnant with eight puppies. And so all of a sudden we have this dog and Alan's working a whole bunch. And so like I'm in charge of the dog, but I'm scared. So I'm like going in the garage, like I'm scared of you. Don't bite me. Just go to the bathroom. <laughs> and you know, if you've ever walked with me with a dog, I'll be like, the dog, some some dog will bark, and I'll like love you, but throw you in the middle so the dog won't eat me and just run. Anyway, so this is where we are. The boys are crying. This is our one chance to have a dog. Why won't you let us keep the dog? And so we we end up trying to adopt this dog. It doesn't work out. They're crying. I'm crying, and I don't even like dogs. I mean, you know, we are just and so. Then on Tyler's birthday, they call to say that we can have one of the dog's puppies. So I was like, oh, God is so smart. It's Tyler's birthday. I'm calling. We'll get this dog, and it'll be his present. And God is just so smart. And I was like, we're not getting that puppy, Kate. We're not getting the dog. We tried to adopt the mom. So um, I was like, oh, well, a few months later, I was out of town, and he sends me this picture of this yellow lab. And so we am getting this yellow lab. And now we're all obsessed, and especially me. She's like my best friend. And so you should always get a pregnant dog when you have hard stuff. <laughs> No, just sometimes I feel like the Lord puts things on my heart before the time's ready, you know, just to kind of prepare me. It's not time yet, but just prepare me. So we're still in 2019 at this point, and Alan's working hard. You know, construction ebb and flow, and he was busy and kind of on a roll. And so we moved in 2020, and he found a spec house to do for work, and he was really excited about that with our friend, our realtor friend, Laurie, helped him find it. And um, he was really excited because he hadn't done a spec house in a long time, so he was really excited about that. I wasn't really involved with it because it was this, you know, work thing, well, Literally, like a week later, you know, COVID happened. And as you all know, the world just shut down. So we just did what you did and hung out at home and made food, played with our dog, played outside. And, you know, honestly, I feel like we, I didn't even know what to pray for it in that time. We were just just a lot of being, you know. And so in July, Alan and I both got COVID. So we were a little bit dazed and confused. And I feel like Alan mentioned the idea of the spec house for us, but we are also refinancing our house. That whole month is a little bit like a blur. But later in August, he said, I think we should really consider this. So we went to look at the house and it was completely gutted. The yard was overgrown. I could get on board with his vision for the home, but I could really get on board with him saying, want to follow the Lord's lead, hold things loosely, to have and create margin. You know, so I, the next morning I went to, you know, prayed about it and I looked through my journal and y'all, it was so crazy. It was like so many different prayers and so many different ways were answered just from him bringing that to the table. It was just really cool. And I wasn't, I wasn't panicking and Alan was leading. So it, was a, uh, it was a better situation. Well, you know, it's always hard to lead something that you can see for something you can't. And we were having to talk with our boys about it. And it was hard to explain that to them because it was our home and Alan built it for us and we created memories there. But it was also hard because we didn't have a tangible, we have to move because of this job. We have to move. It was more like, we think this is what God's asking us to do and we want to be good stewards. And it was hard. They couldn't really understand that, but it was good conversations to have with them and what that looks like to try to follow the Lord. And and moving is emotional. So we would have to keep speaking truth to each other. Alan and I, well, probably Alan to me, so I can speak truth to the kids. But we were working great as a team. We were excited and ready. We were like, high five, and you do this, I'll do that. We had all these showings. We like pretend we didn't live there and had to laundry and all that kind of stuff. So we were like, had a drill and we're ready. Well, then the showings were slowing down a lot. And we were like, well, we thought this is what God's saying, but maybe not. And we can admit that we got it wrong. And so we were, we were talking about taking off the market because we still had a spec house that we needed to sat on. And, you know, I like a plan. And our plan was like kind of turning gray a little bit. <laughs> and so, 
we did, when when we did have a showing, I was like mad that people were coming to look, but we had the for sale sign in our yard. So it was just, you see why I have to like talk to Jesus so he can like kind of get me back to ground zero. But I remember listening to Lauren Beckner's storytellers and it was just, I just cried and cried. It was so great. And I was like, Lord, I thought I gave this over to you, but it seems I've taken it back. So, you know, here it is again. So I was out of town one weekend and we got a few offers. I guess I just need to leave town because then <laughs> stuff is all right. I mean, but we got a few offers and so... When I came back, Alan, we hadn't, I hadn't had a chance to tell Alan about my newfound piece because we were kind of talking about taking it off the market. And so he's like, I don't know, what do you think? We were talking about this, but now we try to say maybe we should take it off and sell the spec house. And I was able to say, look, all the things you said at the beginning are the same and those still hold true. Those all still make sense. And so I was able to come to this conversation from a position of strength. So we worked through the contracts and inspections and all that kind of good stuff. And we moved in January of this year. And I think I have post-traumatic move syndrome because it's like a new diagnosis. So what Sarah Beth said earlier, she asked me, I really was like, I don't even know. what, And also I'm tired and I don't know what she wants me to say. Well, so I did pray. And when I wrote stuff out, it said some really good spiritual stuff. But then at the end, it said this, and this is about um, 2020. And it said, when one of us was sure and the other was unsure and then vice versa, God used us in a marriage to pull each other along. And I felt like that was the story God wanted me to share. And I I was writing about 2020, but I I really felt like that it kind of defined our marriage in general. And a friend had shared this book with me a while back called A Silver Refined. And the whole idea in this book, you know, what if our disappointments are really his appointments, you know, big and small, what if, and just to kind of view that through a different lens. And it was talking about the refiner putting the silver into the fire. It says he carefully watches the fire. It must be maintained at exactly the right temperature for the right duration of time to accomplish its purpose. The fire never gets too hot and he never leaves the fire. And then it also talks about you know, the metal coming out and then it's just, it's just not ready yet. And the fire cools and the flames get hotter and it has to go back in. And I, and I think that's hard for me. I, I feel like it's hard for me when I feel like I've really worked on something with the Lord. And then he's just like, we're not done with you, this yet. So I had been very aware of this refining process in my life because it just wasn't pretty. So I was very aware of this, but somehow I had put this in my brain as like the same thing I had to deal with. And, you know, to if I'm being honest, I, th- I think that I was still kind of mad that I had to deal with some of it right before I started kind of writing some stuff out for storytellers, the enemy was just getting on my head on some things after we had moved. Like, well, you shouldn't have to deal with this. You do this and this and that. And, you know, just these little wedges that become big wedges very quickly. And when I was doing this, the Lord was showing me that Alan has been the main instrument that he has used to help refine me, pulling me out of comfort zones, spurring me on, holding me accountable. And and that was flipping a switch for me. And, you know, we are not, like in our marriage, we are not this on our little parallel path, like kind of just like going down the road. My relationship with the Lord looks like this, you know, it's a diagonal towards him coming up and down. And if Alan's is the same, then ours are constantly intersect. And we have a chance to speak truth into each other. And to pull one down when the other is down and vice versa, because we're being refined in different ways in different seasons because we've got different strengths and weaknesses. And I just thought it was cool that the way the Lord was showing me that. And while I've been trying to follow the Lord's lead, I've really been following Alan follows the Lord's lead. And it's, you know, as uncertain as that has felt to me at times, it's a safe, you know, under God's lead, under Alan's and then me. And, you know, I like to be safe. So I like that. <laughs> 
what is God teaching me right now? Just lots of stuff. But one is I, to keep having fun in marriage. I don't want to be telling stories about married life. Like, remember when we had, you know, we had fun when we were newlyweds? You know, the kids get bigger. Life gets crazier. Time gets, you know, they don't go to, their activities seem to control our life. And just to keep creating windows um, of having fun. And to keep praying together. We, Alan and I had a conversation several weeks ago, and it like hard conversations. And at the end, he was like, I'm sorry, I should have prayed for us. And so when he prayed at the end, the conversation was still there, but the walls were coming down. And it's really hard. It's really, really hard to be mad at somebody when you're praying out loud for them. And so I just feel like Lord uses that to help soften my heart. We have realized that we both have a lot of peacemakers. So we're you know, I'm trying to speak the truth in love, but like receive the truth and not like let my feelings get hurt with things that I need to hear. Um, and try and not to fill the void for Alan. I, f- I feel like that sometimes I feel like it's m- my job to do that, or I don't want somebody to be sad or disappointed. So I need to fix it. And it's not my job. That's God's job. I can pray for him and encourage him and support him, but that's God's job. That we're on the same team and Satan is on the other team. So we're on the same team and Satan is on the other team. You know, coincidentally, in our Bible study, we are studying um, the armor of God, you know, and it says, be strong in the Lord and put on your full armor of God against the devil's schemes. And I've got to be aware of his, the devil's schemes to stand against them. He needs a few good guys and I need a few good girls. I mean, this is just huge that these people in your life that just that you can tell all the dirt, the junk and the ick to, and that can speak truth and encourage you and make you not feel crazy. And then as, as life goes on, the very things that I love about Alan can be the very things that make you know me the most frustrated and vice versa. And you know I know that in marriage we balance each other, but I think sometimes I kind of act like, why isn't he thinking like me or doing this like me? But God's really refining us to be like Jesus, not e- not each other. And so... You know, and just to let go, the more I let go of my plan, the more I'm able to see his. So that's where I am in the story. Let me tell you something. Kate's a little whippersnapper, and I love her. (laughs) She is entertaining and bubbly, which you can hear. And I so related to her, especially when she said, I just want to be in the park swinging my kids. I don't want to do the hard because guess what? The heart is hard. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who wants that? Is that? A very Nobody wants statement. the refinement. And so I just mm-hmm. appreciated her perspective of, you know what, Lord, sometimes you have to put me back mm-hmm. into the fire. Mm-hmm. And when she referenced Exodus 13 and the fact that, you know, the people wanted the shorter path, yeah. they didn't understand mm-hmm. why are you taking us on a longer path? Yeah. But God has to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it, and it is difficult. You will get through it. Keep your eyes on him. You know, talking about nobody wants to be refined. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of the visual of nobody wants to be pruned either, <laughs> right. you know, because you talk about that you have to be pruned mm-hmm. in order to get more fruit out of you. Absolutely. You know, um, for me, wow, it stood out to me when she said, you know, you and your spouse are on the same team. And guess what? Satan is on the other. I went home and told my husband that just because we need that visual lock arms and we're yes. on the same team together. And guess what? We have an enemy mm-hmm. that's trying to attack us. So we need to stand strong, like she said, through the Lord. And sometimes it helps just to look at each other and say, remember, we're on the same team. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Especially, you know, Katie, I think you mentioned in the beginning that marriage is one of our most mm-hmm. requested stories right now, and this is it. We've been through a very difficult season, and it's real easy to forget, or the point that I loved so much that she talked about that ties right into this, is when she said, I wanted to make my husband more like me, when in reality, God wants to make us yes. more like Jesus. Yeah. And I thought, oh, 
boy. <laughs> yeah, someone that's married to her polar opposite. Right. I can very Oh, much listen. I th- all three of us are. Yeah. All three yeah. of us are married to somewhat the same man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is a little scary. It's a little strange. We are real alike. And so are our husbands. Um, and that just was, I just, that hit me mm-hmm. of, wow. Even if it's not your spouse, you're not married. It's a friend. It's a coworker. You're a single parent. It's you want people to think like you, and it's very frustrating when they don't. And the freedom that it gives you to say, "We don't have to think alike. You don't have to get stressed out like yeah. I. Why aren't you worried? Like yeah. I'm worried." Yeah. He's like, "Because the goal is for us to be more like Jesus, not like yeah. each other." All of all of those points at the end were just so good. I mean, the praying for each other because it's hard to be mad mm-hmm. at somebody when you're praying for them. Right. But here's the thing: you got to get pride out of the way <laughs> before you get down on your knees and pray with your spouse. You know, so we've talked about it before uh, about it's not our job to fix our husbands, yeah. and I want it's it not. to be my job. <laughs> but again, just praying for them and you know remembering. Maybe to do that first yeah. before trying to fix them. And then have fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You That's know, the truth. That was the number one. Mm-hmm. But I think you kind of have to go through the prayer and the re- recognizing you're not the one that needs to fix them before you get to the fun sometimes. Sometimes, for sure. Well, well thank you. Thank you, Kate, for sh- just being so vulnerable in just everyday life Absolutely. of areas where we all struggle. And she verbalized it. And so thank you, Kate, for sharing. And thank you for listening today. We'd love for you to share our stories. If you want to share them on social media, that's amazing. It's hard for podcasts to get some traction. You know, it's hard to share those stories. So you can screenshot when you're listening and post it on social media. You can take our Instagram posts and repost them of stories. And that's how friends find us. That's how you can share what we're doing today. So thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.